the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the USL show. Uh, We got another good one for you today. This is what I've been. It's hard to kind of guess and talk about which week it is because the games are kind of happening all the time. I'm not sure where to start one week and end the other. So I'm just kind of dubbing these the return to play episode. This will be number five of the USL show. Thanks for joining us. We're live tonight. Had some trouble as usual uh, getting started, but uh, let's jump into the show with uh, no more wasted time. We have a pretty normal crew as usual, so we'll start with Pony. Pony, how are you doing today? Ah, uh, not bad. It's uh, another Monday of months and months of days blending together. Yeah, yeah. Work's been crazy for me, so I've been uh, uh, losing track of time just like that. Is it the case for you, or is it just that you never leave your house? It's a bit of both. I mean, <laughs> I'm I've I'm, I'm I'm an indoor person, kind of one of the outdoors at this point, so that's kind of saying something. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say you seem like an indoor person, but you want to go out. Do you bike? Do you cycle? No. (laughs) Walk. (laughs) I I just assume anyone with a video game chair and a cat stays indoors quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. I had to get a better chair than my old one. Nice. I'm not hating. I'm jealous. My chair is terrible. (laughs) I'd say after three months of working at home, I had to upgrade my chair. Nice. Very nice. Uh, Ryan's here as well. Ryan, did you start school? I feel like last time you said you were starting school. Yep, today was uh, the first day of classes here at ECU. It's um, the final semester for me on the MBA program, which I'm looking forward to completing. And uh, for those keeping track at home, today is March 163. Ooh, what does this mean? Oh, just it's the 163rd day of the month of March right oh, now. God, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should have caught that. My mistake. Uh, Ryan, so I guess this means you have one semester to announce uh, your plans to start your doctorate, right? <laughs> I do not see myself going after the doctorate okay. once the MBA is complete. All right. Well, you know, I, I won't hold my breath on that one, just just to be safe. Um, Alan's here all the way from San Diego. How's it going, buddy? Doing all right. My life is going to get back into some sort of regular schedule with uh, today was our first teacher report date. So Crazy. a little bit of normalcy. I was talking to Pony earlier. Things are still so much up in the air. Like I, there's platforms that haven't been chosen and school starts with kids on Monday. So it's, mm. it's a little bit of flying while you're putting the plane together still. Like we're still doing that. So uh, it's nice to have a little bit of regularness with soccer. Um, even though uh, that hasn't been that regular either, um, especially with some of these uh, Southern California teams. So it's been a lot of start, stop, start, stop all summer, and that's the way it seems to be going in the soccer world too. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to jump right into that. But I'm curious. I think you said you were mostly digital, if not all digital. Um, yeah, so normally you'd be Normally as a band director, wouldn't you be like kind of, Dusting all the cobwebs off the instruments in the lockers and getting your room ready. 
Yeah, this that would be this week. We'd be, you know, getting in the classrooms, doing the first staff meeting of the year, welcome back mm-hmm. shenanigans, and then a day of getting ready, and then we'd have kids on Wednesday normally. Um, <laughs> and I'll, yeah, so it's been a lot of. I haven't been to work since June, um, and I'm probably not going to go back into the classroom with kids for, you know, maybe the second semester. We have no idea. So right now we're all online. Southern California is all online. Um, and it's going to be that way for, for a minute. So it is a new normal. Um, we're going to have to figure out how to do band and be getting band online. So that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we're just trying to make it as normal as possible and uh, try to connect the, the kids to the community and make it kind of a family environment, but online. So uh, I've been practicing with podcasting and uh, with a friend Zoom calls and trying to like keep in touch and make that a little bit normal in my my day to day but oof, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting it will it will it will and uh, i'm sure challenges are going to arise and uh, just like the usl and so you know you gave me a good pivot i'm gonna use a, a worse one right now in that um we've got some compact scheduling going here harry austin mentioned or he tweeted a tweet, a list of all of Austin Bold's games in the months of August and September with one in October. There's six games in each of those two first months, August and September. It's getting tight. It's getting tight. And uh, Pony, I want to start with you because I thought you've kind of said a few times that uh, you have an opinion on what they should do about that. Yeah, I to me, there's really no way at this point we could continue the season the way it is right now because so many teams are already running out of room to even have games be rescheduled. It's one thing if you're going to have a season that's going to last six, seven months and one team has whatever issue and they go, hey, we can't play this Saturday. Can we move this a month and a half right now to a Wednesday? And both teams say, yes, okay, that works and it moves on. But right now, there is no more room to move games. I mean, most teams have at most one or two week-long breaks for the remainder of the season. I mean, looking at, I saw like Miami has eight games in September. Charlotte has seven in August and seven in September. Then you have Indy who only has eight games for the entire season from here on out. The problem is we need a way to reschedule games. And because the end of the season is seems to be October 3rd, October 4th, and it's been a pretty hard date from what I've been seeing across all teams, we can't reschedule beyond that. And I think you absolutely need at least two weeks, preferably three, or maybe even just say to the end of October before the playoffs start. That way, when LA has an issue or Austin has issues and all these other teams in Mexico is moving all their home games on the road, even though there's no fans. So maybe that's not quite as bad, but we're going to reach a point where a team can't reschedule a game. And at that point, who bears the fault of that? Let's say, there's someone who has not had games be rescheduled because of them. Let's, let's just say Tulsa, I'm thinking that whole region, has a game that pops up in late September that someone tests positive and they go, hey, we need to reschedule us. And everyone goes, no, you can't. There's no time. Well, do they have to forfeit the game now and everyone else has been allowed to kick their games back more and more? Or are we going to have a situation where teams play every third or fourth day for a month and a half, two months yeah. straight? I mean, that's not fair on the players, not only for lack of quality, but for lack of being able to train, lack of being able to coach. I mean, the skill is going to go down. The quality of play is going to go down. People are going to get hurt because they're playing for the 180th minute in a week and a half. 
it's just all bad. I mean, just kick the whole season two to three weeks right now. I mean, what is the absolute worst case that happens if we decide to say playoffs start first week of November? Maybe someone like Indy wins their group, is done playing at basically the start of October, and then has a month off. Well, let them schedule a friendly. I mean, if they made the playoffs and they're one of the better teams, do you really think that they could go an entire month without having anybody in the country around them say, hey, who wants a friendly against a team who's one of the top teams in the second tier? Even if they're saying, hey, we're going to get a USL1 team, maybe you get an MLS team, maybe the maybe grab the Chicago Fire under 23s for a friendly and then have a week off, play your friendly, a week off, play your playoff game. That just makes so much more sense. It's going to keep the players safe. It's going to make things simple for everybody. It's not going to hurt. I mean, I guarantee you that if this season happens as it is, someone is going to pick up a season-ending injury, and we're going to go, well, you realize they were playing their fourth game in two weeks, and mm-hmm. that's just going to look bad on the league because the league did is trying to protect their players from COVID, which is, I mean, great thing. I like that they're actually stopping games, canceling games when there's a positive test. They're not just throwing people out there to get sick or get not even necessarily the players, but maybe someone they interact with, maybe a family member, maybe whatever person they get their food from at the restaurant. No one's going to get sick or seriously ill that way, but you're going to hurt someone if you force them to play like this. And what's, what is the harm of pushing the season? I can't see anything that's going to make someone go, this is a bad idea. It's a break. It lets people rest their legs and it makes the season sane. I think they've done a lot of things right. And I think that's one thing they may look back and be like, yeah, we should have put a buffer in there. And I know it's risky. Like you said, um, Alan, any thoughts on any kind of a buffer or perhaps is there a reason they shouldn't have put a buffer there? I don't know. Um, I would say plan for the worst and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, I mean, not on this list is orange County. Orange County has six games in September, but they still have three games. I think they have to reschedule. And I think to Pony's point, Orange County, at, by all information that we know, it's none of the cancellations were because of things that they did. I know San Diego feels this way. They're frustrated that they've traveled to Sacramento and Vegas and had to turn around and not play a match. Um, I think it would alleviate a lot of the player safety issues. And I think that's Pony said it. I think you said it as well. That's the key to me is do what's best for players and that's what will be best for the league. It's like, uh, I think what, um, turbo Tobin said that before, like mm-hmm. what's best for the league is what's best for the players. Vice versa. That's interesting. Ryan, any, any thoughts on this directly before we kind of get to some of the other things you have prepared for us? I was curious trying to look back through, um, uh, just when they initially released the schedule prior to the start of the season when did the season originally end because i'm i'm i don't want to say concerned but i'm curious if they're having this hard set date because tv contracts they must fulfill uh, when playoff games have to occur and they're trying not to push those dates it's more speculation but i was trying to find when the original date um i'm just trying to find when the original uh season was supposed to conclude but yeah i agree with pony and alan here that it's not uh it's no harm in pushing back the season two weeks yeah uh playoffs for usl tends to be late october is the first round uh, yeah, so we could, uh, we, you could kick it two weeks and you're basically on pace for what a normal season would be i just yeah. like i know there's like go ahead 
I know there's like weather issues to keep in mind, but I'd rather have colder weather and and healthy players than you yeah. know hurt players in like decent weather. Exactly. Third was the uh, Eastern Conference and Western Conference playing games with the USL final being held on November 17th, last season for 2019. Mm-hmm. I think it's doable. Weather and all, you just deal with it, especially. I mean, is that really that big a problem based on all the other crap we're dealing with? It's really not. My favorite thing about this year is there have been teams, you know, thinking about like the Louisville uh, brand run out where they did it wrong and then they were just like, hey, we messed this up. We're going to do it right this time. And they did, right? They did a good job. There is absolutely nothing wrong with saying, hey, maybe we didn't put enough time in here. We're going to reevaluate. We're going to fix this and we're going to do a better job. And there's always the guy out there that's like, hey, maybe you should have done it right the first time. But just ignore that guy and just do it right. Like, I I see no reason why they can't kind of take it back and, and do it right at this point still, right? Um, let's move on to, uh, oh wait, I had a shoot I pulled off my nose. I wanted to say this because pony, I think in your, in your first rant there at the beginning, you mentioned, yeah, one weird thing might be that players, we can't control exactly what the players do. And, um, I was reading the Jeff Ruder article. I finally, dude, I didn't get to it till today. I've been so busy and I spent a good hour prepping for the show. And I read that article as one of many that I read. And uh, I found this quote about, he asked about, um, asked Jake Edwards in the interview about how it's gone with the protocols with, are they basically kind of like, how do you feel about the protocols? And it's kind of his, his chance to kind of defend or say how good it is. And he says, quote, we have full faith and confidence in our protocols. They're robust, but in the real world and perhaps other leagues are now coming to grips with this as well. Protocols are only as strong as the extent to which they are properly executed. And he does go on to say that we can't basically control every single player. We are at their mercy to trust them to all do the right thing. And the coaches, and honestly, if there's fans in the stadium, it's up to the fans too. We are actually putting trust into the fans. And so um, I thought that was a really good way to put that, that, um, you know, MLS is about to come back and they're, they're saying the same thing. Like, it's up to the players to kind of do a good job and make sure they're not getting each other sick um, in these ways. Ryan, I want to go straight to you because you put a whole lot of other examples and other sports uh, of things that they're dealing with. Or was that you pony? I'm sorry. No, that was, I'm, I don't follow other sports. What are you talking about? Okay, perfect. <laughs> it's gotta be Ryan. I thought it was. Uh, well, in sports, like going back to just the backlog of scheduling, we're currently seeing that problem in major league baseball where you have majority of the league who have played 17 games and then you look at a team like the St. Louis Cardinals who have played five with 55 games left to go on their schedule and everyone else further along that there's going to be a massive backlog of games so I was curious like if USO were going to look towards what Major League Baseball is trying to do since they're doing a similar type setup with teams in their home markets and and then obviously the big story across a lot of the country is just that college football is calling it quits on their season with the Mountain West and MAC already officially canceled with the Big Ten and Pac-12 pretty much going to announce it tomorrow. So I'm curious how much of an impact of like these other sports would have when we're looking at it back at USL and MLS. Yeah, I think that a lot where we freaked out in the first few weeks of MLS because there were all those cases and everyone was like, this is a disaster before it even started. And then it got fixed, right? Um I'm interested in the USL. The bubble to go through. 
Yes. And and that's what I'm getting to is if anyone ever, if anyone in this country does something like the USL where they have fans, I think they're going to realize how difficult it is. And I'm curious to see how the USL measures up after that, right? With a little bit of hindsight thrown in there. People may not try to do the USL thing. Maybe it's been proven a bad idea at this point. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think outside of a couple cases, it's really been like an abundance of caution. It's been, we had someone who tested positive, but then came back negative outside of like the only one that I've really paid attention to was the LA one with like the 11 or something players. Um, But most of them I've seen like the Sacramento orange County one was like another team tested positive. So we decided to, so some of the postponements aren't even positive tests. They're just, Hey, we want to make sure we're not putting anyone at risk, which I really, really appreciate. Yeah. Um, it's also a little bit frustrating, but I really appreciate that it's not just positive tests that end up being a determining factor. It's also, hey, we're not really sure. So we'd erring on the side of caution. Pony, it looks like you wanted to say something. No, I mean, I kind of agree with that. This is, I mean, granted, is a pure bubble barely better than what USL is doing? Yes, but is it feasible for 34 teams? No. I mean, even if you say each team has 20 people, you're dealing with almost 700 players plus staff, plus everyone's going to travel with them. And have it been done this well, that is really impressive. I mean, I thought the way they're rolling this out and the way it's been going, I honestly was, was I'm kind of surprised the season is not dead already. I, if mm-hmm. you had told me you can have 700 players, coaches, staff traveling around, even if you're saying it's somewhat region locked, which depending on how where you live, that could mean traveling two hours or traveling ten hours by bus, whatever way you want to look at it. But they have done a very good job. The players have done a good job of, I mean, apart from a few small outbreaks, have done a very good job of staying safe, staying healthy, and I'm assuming they're obeying the rules because people aren't testing positive. Mm. I mean, we're still maybe a third of the way through the season for most teams, so. I could look back at this and go, oh, yeah, I was right. that Something's going to go horribly wrong by the end of this month. But I like what the USL has done, and they've been very professional as teams keeping the safety of players first and foremost. I mean, like Alan said, there's been teams that canceled games because a past opponent tested positive. And that's just being player conscious and player safety first, which, again, is going back to my original point push the season back by two weeks so you could reschedule that game and not force a team to play a third game in the seven yeah. days. But I like what they've been doing. I mean, this is far better than what I thought it would be. And I think it's, I don't want to say the gold standard, but it's something to for other leagues to build off of in the future if they're going to try to do something similar with no bubbles. I mean, MLS yeah. could do far worse and replicate what USL has done. Yeah. To put in context uh, how big of an undertaking it is to do a bubble for MLS, they actually tweeted out earlier today that it set a Guinness World Record for the largest uh, professional soccer tournament held in one single legend. So like that, had, like this was like an unprecedented professional hmm. tournament at any scale. Then that sent me down a rabbit hole earlier today of seeing like what is like the like at the international level, there was the 1930 World Cup that had 13 teams playing all games in one city in Uruguay. And then you'd have other tournaments similar to that, but like props to MLS at that level to have it at that type of just 
unprecedented amount. But like Penny was saying, that uh, USL has done a very good job this season with travel. I think it was a uh, Mark Asher Goodman online in with Pittsburgh uh, talked about that New York Red Bulls too, after they had lost at Pittsburgh this past week, had a six-hour bus ride back to uh, New York City after the result. Mm. Yeah, crazy. Um, Mark Asher Goodman, follow that man. Uh, one of the better USL accounts out there, I'd say, actually. Um, the cool thing about us having a season right now is that we get to talk about things like 538 rankings, which is just great fodder for the usl show it's one of the best ones we can talk about every <laughs> every few weeks it seems like we can bring that sort of thing up uh pony you announced that um they put up odds for who's going to win the cup and who's going to get out of the group once you get us started yeah that's my monday morning coffee break is putting us up on twitter <laughs> my, 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 my morning break and my afternoon coffee break are both going through 538 stats <laughs> But well, I mean, what do you they, think about them, though? Let's start with the odds to win the cup. Let's start with that. Yeah, the odds to win the cup are literally they have percentages of how likely each team is to win from top to bottom. I mean, they already have a few teams who are basically at less than 1% chance, which granted less than 1% could turn into something. If you follow the English championship, I'm speaking to probably maybe a third of our audience at this point, but mm-hmm. around New Year's, whole city was about eight percent to get promoted and less than one percent to get relegated and they finished dead last in the table after they completely collapsed in the second half of the year so oh. these are not golden but they're actually i think mostly decent there's not a lot of these i look at and go that's obviously wrong even though i would disagree with some of the order but right now the top 10 teams are 538 to win it all and lift the cup goes Phoenix is one, Tampa Bay in two, San Antonio with a kind of surprising mm-hmm. three, Indy in fourth, fifth place goes the Riverhounds, Orange County in sixth, then we have Reno in seventh, North Carolina in eighth, Birmingham at nine, and Sacramento at ten. And there's definitely some questionable ones in there, but I think we just have a, a top six and then just it gets wide open to me. Man, I'd say that's the least cringeworthy 538 prediction I've ever seen. I say once games start, they get a lot. They're one of the they need data, then they start honing, <laughs> honing in on things better. I see. It's like me, I want to start doing my predictions, but when Miami and Portland have not gained a point, it just destroys all my formulas. <laughs> so please draw your next game, you two. <laughs> just for ponies' sake. Anyone else have some thoughts about the uh, who could win the cup this year? It's not terribly different than what our top 10 was for our rankings right now. I think the San Antonio one is a really good shout. And I talked about this the last week and I tweeted at Harry as well. Uh, San Antonio is set up in a really easy group that they can easily win and then take on the second place in group C, which could be a, you know, a decent team. So San Antonio has a, inside track of really making that Western conference final um, mm. in a, in a way that sets them up. That's why like at three, it's not super surprising. Not that I think that they're a better team than Indy 11 or Pittsburgh or even orange County. Uh, but the way that the tournament is set up gives them a huge advantage because they avoid the group B until the final. And if what happened you know, with like, look at El Paso last year, they were able to make it to the final um, or almost make it to the final. Yeah, make it to the final because Salt Lake knocked off Phoenix 
um, and you get this like interesting path where you avoid the big team that no one wants to play and maybe a stronger team gets knocked out early. And now San Antonio has got a really good shot at the Mm -hmm. Western conference final. And once you're in that one game, winner take all, anything can happen. And then all of a sudden San Antonio is in the final of the USL for the Western conference. There is definitely a path there and it's realistic. And especially this year, it's tough given the group set up to compare teams with ELO ratings, but currently, rating in uh, the USL per my ELO ratings uh, in the Western Conference it would be a closely followed behind um, but uh, again all these teams have played an uneven amount so it's really hard to kind of just gauge similarity uh, similarity Oh, sorry, Ryan, we're losing you a little bit, but um, I think I think it's good on that. What do you guys think about uh, the other rankings that you posted there, Pony? It was to uh, people getting out of their groups. Any weird ones there? I want to try to pull that back up again real quick. Um, for those who are not looking at it right now, the expected people get out of each group, Group A would be Reno and Sacramento, Group B, Phoenix, Orange County, Group C, New Mexico, and, and the Real Monarchs, Group D, San Antonio, Austin, E is Indian, St. Louis, F, Pittsburgh, and Hartford, G, Birmingham, and North Carolina, and H, Tampa, and Miami. For whatever reason, 538 still loves Miami. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but that's been dropping Somebody. off slowly as the season's gone on. I think Devin Kerr said the same thing. He expects Tampa Bay and Miami. The Bulls we had us. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've I've been kind of saying Miami looks like that team where they're going to remember that they're a good team on paper one of these days and just destroy someone who's we all thought is good and make them look very very bad. Just a matter of did they do that quickly enough to salvage second place? I've been looking for an excuse to say this. I kind of did it for myself. I'm not going to lie, but. I watched Tampa Bay versus Miami, and it was a fun, fun game to watch. And uh, this is news we're going to get to in a minute, but um, uh, where is it? Miami FC puts GM Paul Dalglish back in charge of coaching. He was their coach from 18 through 19. Uh, Nipun Chobra reported this and had some really great facts. You should go find this post and then find his repost of his own post because it gives a lot of fun NASL facts about Miami, how they used to kind of be the pride of the lower leagues and then they moved to USL and now they're competing with Inter. It's just like a, a crazy thing. But I am starting to buy Miami if they get some good coaching and if they button up the defense. I think that's it all. They, that's all they got to do. Like let their attack start clicking a little better. It's already good. But for real, they get that defense clicking. They got a good, good shot at going all the way. Even it's not even too late to go all the way at this point, I don't think. Yeah, when um, I yeah. uh, when I saw that news, yeah, when I saw the news, I read it way too quickly the first time. I thought it said Sebastian Dalgard became the new Miami yeah. coach. And I'm like, <laughs> first of all, like, wait a minute, he retired, and then it was, wait a minute, he's returning to coach him for the second time. Like that threw me entirely. I'm like, oh wait, no, I just read that too quickly. I like scrolling through stuff. That that panicked me. That was that far off on some news at one point. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Alan? I was like Group H. You have Charleston at six games, eight points. I mean, Miami reels off a couple wins in a row, and they're going to be able to catch them. Like, it's not like they're in a group that the second place is running away. You got Tampa Bay running away, but Charleston six 
six games played, eight points. Atlanta, seven game play, games played, five points. Like, I think that's why if Miami's in a different group, then we'd ha- be having a, probably a slightly different conversation. Yeah, maybe. But when Charleston doesn't look like they're, you know, world beaters by any imagination and you play tons of games in your group, they're, you know, you're going to be able to make up some games pretty quickly if you win the right ones. Yeah, looking at it, right, I'm just blowing 538 up. It says they have Miami getting through 55% of the time and Charleston 43%. Yeah, about 5%, surprisingly, but you know, sounds about right. I just say that Anheuser, like I've bet against him in the past and he just always steps up at the right time. They play practical football and um, I think. That's the biggest hurdle Miami has is that man right there who knows how to put a team together to get by and do well every year, it seems like. I'd say the other snub is I want to ask you guys something, but first I want to say that Tulsa is a huge snub. I don't I don't see how Austin is better than Tulsa. I've watched Tulsa throughout this year. I think they're really, really talented and they play really, really fun soccer. Um, but I, I do worry that they try to play too fun. You know, like I think the loyal are kind of like that where they could play prettier soccer than they do, but they don't. You know what I mean? They're more practical than they have to be, I think. And I think Tulsa plays more pretty than they should try, and it's harder to win. I keep, I repeat that every few weeks probably, but that's my only worry about Tulsa, but I think they look really good. My question is, and feel free to comment on that, my question is, is Salt Lake good? And I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen them in a while, but I don't see that at all. I mean, not really? to me. I mean, to me, Tulsa. I mean, their game against St. Louis last week. It's the first time I looked at it and go, "Oh wow, Tulsa might be good." Before this, kind of like, yeah, Tulsa is going to be a middle of the road team who, you know, in a what was supposed to happen season is going to be a play-in team. But again, for five thirty-eight, they have a thing where they cling to preseason predictions for a long time, and they had Austin as a very good team entering the season. So I think that's part of it is they've just been slowly moving down uh, on the teams like Austin and the teams like uh, Miami, where I think they were both easily top 10 teams for them at the start of the season. And now they're kind of realizing they might not be top 10, but they're not willing to admit it yet until more data points come in to show that they were wrong in their past assumptions. But yeah, I mean, Tulsa, I, I would agree that Tulsa is probably the favorite for second, although not by a lot. This This whole group, there is, to me, no good Second team, Tulsa might be the best of teams that are average. Like some, I think it's a, to me, San Antonio is good. San Antonio, yes, I could see saying worst case, sixth best in the league right now. But the next best one is probably middle of the entire pack at best, and that's Tulsa. And then maybe Austin, if Austin has an entire team they could play instead of mm-hmm. thinking of dressing an assistant coach for a game, which I think was in the cards at one point for this last weekend or. <laughs> whatever it was, but it's, it's the thing where I'd like to see Tulsa make it because they were always a fun team back when they were the Roughnecks. I think there's what season it was where they came like one game away from making the playoffs. It seemed like where if the season lasted two more games, they would have been in or I think it was Seattle. And so I'm trying not to hopefully don't make myself look stupid as I go back and check this one after I sign off on this, but yeah, it was like 2015. Yes. Uh, they finished right. seventh. The Seattle Sounders two and uh, finished sixth. It was actually points, and both teams had even goal differential by the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. Tulsa's been one of those. It just seems like 
just barely off of being a good team for so many years. I'd like to see him sneak into the playoffs, even if I don't know how long they'd last. And because they do have talent, and I mean, I like to cost this kind of turn in turn into my. If you've listened to this for a long time, my Luke Verkalone stand-in sort of. Or used to be him, I really like. Now it's turned into Costa, who just does a lot of the same stuff. He's a great, really talented player who's kind of quiet in what he does. But hey, I mean, go. I mean, I'd like to see Tulsa finish second in this group, but who knows if Austin, I think Austin has a, Austin, if they get right, finishes second, but they're running out of time to do that pretty quickly. Yeah. Harry Austin says he would take New Mexico and El Paso in that group over uh, Real Monarchs for sure. Um, he also said San Antonio versus Tulsa this week should be a pretty good match on Wednesday night. I agree. That might be the match of the week, depending on what other ones are happening. Um, any other thoughts on the groups, guys? Feel free to uh, chime in before we move on. To briefly jump back to Miami FC real quickly, they actually have four matches against uh, Charleston remaining in the season, so that's a massive opportunity to mm. pick up points. And, and you almost have to feel that they have to – Know, win that first game, or else it's going to be a really all ask to try and get to second place in that group. That first game against the battery is shoot. Yeah, Ryan. I mean, yeah. Oh, go ahead. The only other one I can see is in transfer group that, I mean, as it's been playing out, it makes sense now. But at the start of the season, if you had Hartford in second place in their group, I mean major props because wow they look so so much better than they did last year i mean it's it's they, they look nothing like the team who i think had like a minus 60 goals differential in 2019 granted they're not the best team in the world still and i'd be surprised if they win a playoff game but they're a solid team i like hartford they've done a very good job putting together a team and building off not a lot i mean i'd like i'd I mean, I always like Red Bulls too. They're always a fun team to watch, but I kind of want to see Hartford more right now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Um, by the way, uh, USL stats department in midseason form. You guys are killing it tonight. You've had some really good stuff um, combined. So uh, let's move up to ESPN Plus. The price has gone up a dollar per month. If you're not already subscribed, so early adopters get that one dollar discount per month, but uh it's starting right <laughs> i i put tongue in cheek like so it begins you know i quote tweeted that and people were like calm down they thought i was really being serious but yeah we all expected it to go up and this is still a good deal don't you think <laughs> for all the soccer yeah. we get yep i mean if you're a sports fan even if you're only a soccer fan it's still worth it i mean it's still worth it i, I mean come on Come on, don't, don't, don't. If you even watch like two games a week, you're paying less than a dollar per game. Don't, <laughs> don't complain for $6 a month. I mean, if, if they doubled it, I could see, yo, what's going on with this? And a little bit of try to fight back, but it's a dollar. And with the, with the changing landscape of broadcasting, like ESPN is one of the stronger soccer lineups. Like I know BN Sports used to be like, like the target, like everyone wanted BN. But with who's playing right now, like the amount of games that you can watch, like on Saturday, you you, you start with the Henny Derby and then you move to <laughs> Indy Louisville. And then if your game doesn't get canceled at night, you're moving to a night game. Like it's just like all day, 
you can watch whatever you want. It's great. I, I mean, CBS Sports did a good job with the NWSL you know. tournament, um, and that was you know five six bucks a month. It's kind of right in that price range. It's fine. Um, speaking of teams overperforming, the Houston uh, Houston Dash had like no chance of winning, and then they ended up killing it. So um, I think it's worth it. I mean, I know it's like one thing on top of another on top of another, but bundle it with Hulu and and Disney Plus and nerd out on a bunch of Star Wars and soccer. I mean, come on. It's not like you're going anywhere either way. I mean, what else are you going to do over the weekend? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't schedule much else for us to talk about. So maybe think about if you want to talk about something, uh, maybe we can all take a topic at the end here. I'm just scanning through the groups. I like to kind of keep up to date on the groups and it's fun to talk to you guys about them. Um, North Carolina's really jumped a lot. And if you're going to talk about a team who can really take advantage of a group, North Carolina is another one because they're only facing Charlotte Independence and Memphis 901. Sure, like Independence, that's another team that's underperforming for their roster, right? But North Carolina, I did have this on the schedule to talk about. Uh, they just got Lomas, and I had forgotten that they got Haji Berry, and they still have Christos, who's a good, uh, you know, sometimes striker. But those three combined at the nine, um, they're going to possibly have a really good run if they can get their stuff together. North Carolina has always been a favorite of mine um, every year based on their personnel and and the kind of team they put out there. Um, but anyway, that, I thought that was kind of crazy, kind of comparing them to um, Miami having an opportunity to climb their group. Any thoughts on that group? North Carolina, Charlotte, my uh, Memphis, Birmingham is the big. Birmingham's the big team to talk about because they look so good, right? Is it also because their group's not so good, or are they just this good? Pony, actually, Pony, you talk shit on Birmingham this week. Yeah, well, sorry, I, I said that. Yeah, I was saying like, hey, they're not being Atlanta. That's not going to be a shock if they draw Atlanta because Atlanta is better than people give them credit for. (laughs) But I'm still going to, I guess, either double or triple down and say that group, the North Carolina, Birmingham, Memphis, and Charlotte, is the worst group. That is the easiest group to win. There's no one truly good in that group. I mean, the closest you could come is. Birmingham or North Carolina to being a good team. And I don't see anything that makes me think they are clearly one of the better teams in the league. Like if this was the whole, this, if this was not groups, this is what we were expecting at the start of the season. I'd probably have Birmingham, North Carolina as playing teams and no one else in the playoffs. If they, if I say Birmingham, yeah, they have some talent. North Carolina, yeah, they have some talent, but. There's a difference between watching them and watching the other great teams out east. I mean, there's something very different than watching them play than watching Indy play, watching Tampa play, watching Pittsburgh play. I mean, I mm. even I don't say Louisville. I mean, that's I'm, I just snapped that from years of saying them. I've listening enough great teams in the east, but I don't think they have what I don't think anything anyone in that group has what it takes to actually make a deep playoff run. They feel like a they feel like a group who are probably going to get beat up in the first round of playoffs. Maybe whoever wins and gets your Miami Charleston might get one extra game before Tampa takes them out. But I mean, there's talent just on the field. I just don't see any of those teams being elite. I just see them as being average to slightly above average with a really beneficial draw because there's no other team who is a well a, a cup contender in the entire group to me. 
Here's the follow-up question. Would you put that group versus Group A, which is Reno, Sacramento, Tacoma, and Portland? Which of those two groups, if they all went head-to-head, home and away, which of those two groups comes out ahead? I mean, maybe that group because of how bad Portland and Portland is. Yeah. I mean, Portland's going to lose to every single team. The third-place uh, team I mean, is if I had to rank those, yeah. yeah, if I had to rank those teams, Reno's the top one. Then it's probably pretty close between Sacramento, Birmingham, and North Carolina. Then I think Tacoma pops in, and then my then uh, Tacoma, Memphis, other team I can't think of was really bad in the one group, and then Portland at the bottom. Yeah, Charlotte. Yeah, Tacoma, <laughs> Tacoma, Charlotte, Memphis, Portland. Yeah, so I think you're right. I like I, that. Yeah, yeah. I find All right. Was forgetting who Charlotte was. That's how <laughs> nondescript their season's been. Yeah. Um, man, a lot of these groups have actually flipped a lot and we still have a lot of games to play. So this is still going to be a fun conversation. Um, I'm going to give you guys, we could talk about groups more, but I think I'm just going to give you guys each one topic to talk about before we head out. Um, Alan, let's start with you. You have a topic you want to mention before we go. I'm just excited for that really good team to play the really bad team somewhere in a run of Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and (laughs) Like just get beat by some terrible team and throw a wrench into every single group. Um, I'm that's the only positive side I see from the buildup is there's just going to be some random Wednesday night game where a hot team is just going to like get knocked off and maybe some of this average team will go on a run. I think like the Reno OC game last year, like everyone picked OC to lose to Reno because Reno was on a hot streak and they lost four to one, like some just freak game. Um, and I, that's what I'm looking forward to. And it's like, which one is it going to be? And I think pony, you made a, a reference to that in your, your, uh, Birmingham ran against Atlanta. It's like, I don't see this as like a shocker, but you know, some random, you know, Wednesday night game and maybe circle that on the calendar as, you know, the, the night that LA picks up some points against, you know, a Phoenix game uh, or a, um, you know, a, a, a Portland, knocks off Tacoma or knocks off Sacramento and Tacoma sneaks ahead. And I'm just looking forward for those matches. Cause I think it's going to happen. It, the season's already weird. Uh, so that's what I'm kind of looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we saw that weird one zero game with Sacramento and Portland where the one goal Sacramento scored was a shot that went off the crossbar, came off back on off the back of the Portland keepers head, then went in the goal. So strange. Cause you know, they're going to be time. There's going to be like a second, third place team where the third place team probably shouldn't make the playoffs, but some they're playing the right team on <laughs> one of the last days, and they just happen to sneak in because some random fluke goal like that. I could like, dude, that's that's what I'm holding out hope for is just <laughs> shenanigans happening. It's fun. I mean, that's what I love about these tournaments. It's also why I don't gamble. Like that is the exact reason why I don't put money on games. I always catch that. <laughs> Um, Carson, in fact, speaking of that, Carson in Louisville is uh, talking about uh, them Louisville playing SKC two in that loss. But you know, we're talking about how SKC two has been like shockingly decent the last three games. I think Pony they're mentioned MLS, that. Yeah, yeah they're MLS two team where every once in a while they'll just have a stacked lineup, and you have to hope it's not against you. It's yeah, one of those I- MLS two teams. 
They got some talented guys. The the interesting thing about when they face St. Louis, I haven't watched any of the other games. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't been following SKC too all that quickly, all that closely. But um, against St. Louis, there were moments you could tell they were kids. You could tell there were some things they were bad at. But there were moments of them just moving the ball so quickly against St. Louis. It's a, a good defense too. Um, and they had some chances. They could have won that game very easily. And so I was really shocked at, at how well they could move the ball at times. Um, surprisingly good center back and goalkeeper as well, but other, other holes in the field for sure. Uh, let's talk to Ryan. Ryan, do you have a topic you'd like to mention before we go? I would love a team that we haven't mentioned tonight in Hartford Athletic as a team that's like, if we're talking about uh, just like weird season, I feel like Hartford has definitely the like personified that kind of weird season that they actually have turned into a halfway decent side with four wins or they're tied on points with Pittsburgh at 12 and a match in hand. And I would actually think that um, they actually have been one of the more improved teams of the season. I know Pony is going to have a few comments on this, but uh, it, it's been weird to see Hartford be improved upon this year versus years past. Yeah, they're they're a much better team, and again, just playing five thirty eight for the heck of it. They say Hartford Athletic has the exact same chance to win the group as they do of failing to make playoffs. So mm. that's something to think about. They're a weird team. They're they're a team that I would be not at all surprised if the stats got them wrong. You know, in both ways too. Like I I could see them. St- totally bombing out the rest of the season, but I could also see them just, you know, continuing what they're doing. I think someone, I don't know. I just compared them recently to Las Vegas. Like I, like Las Vegas wishes they could be them because it's like such a flashy attack at times. It's really fun to watch them attack. They defend. Okay. Um, but for goodness sake, it doesn't matter. Like there are really good moments in every single game with Hartford, I think. And they've been fun to watch. Yeah, I just, it, their horizon has been, just been stunning. I mean, looking at last season, Hartford lost nine of their first 10 games, had 80 goals allowed and a negative 31 goal differential. And this year, they are arguably a top 10 team. <laughs> I mean, their team build is totally different too. Um, and that happens when you go from being a Nielsen team to being something else. And especially when that something else ends up looking like what it is now, just a to- totally different team, completely different yeah. look and, and feel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, major credit for them to actually realize we need a complete rebuild after year one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so few teams would be willing to make that call and say, Hey, what we did first year, completely wrong, blow it up, start over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they did. So it's going well for them. Uh, Pony, one last thought from you. Um, let's go with when I put stuff out on usually Monday mornings and say, this is 538 or this is foot mob or whatever I'm doing. These are not my opinions. These are other people's opinions that I am putting on the internet <laughs> for them. So don't say, why is this, this, and why is this, this, and this is overrated or why or where's this team? I don't know. I could find that information, but I don't know why it is as it is. <laughs> don't shoot the messenger, please. <laughs> I try to preface it, but I only get so many characters, so I can't always do that. 
Yeah, I have a problem with filling up my characters every single tweet. I can't shut up on Twitter. Um, I Jake, think my last... Po- no, go ahead. Po- Pony, you aren't 538? I thought you were like... <laughs> oh. Hey, if they want to pay me to be part of 538, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to... I don't know. Did you make money this week? You'll have to tell them if you made money and then... They I, might did, I did make money this week. Thank you, there Phoenix, mostly. <laughs> What was your bet on Phoenix? Winning. Uh, they were like actually are like plus one fifty. So that was oh, wow. surprising. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's fun to look at USL betting. Like the people who set it up, the the odds and stuff. They don't really know the USL like we do. So I've actually thought about gambling, even though I'm the worst at it. Uh, but do, do you feel like you have a an up on them? kind of goes week to week sometimes yes sometimes no the last two weeks have been pretty good the first few weeks were not so good okay well it's always hard at first i talked to jason about it because we were talking about st louis versus skc and i was like on paper yeah i mean it should be a win (laughs) yeah i can't see st louis losing this game but if they lost this is how it would look Uh, but if i were you i'd just bet on the win uh, I was wrong because <laughs> on paper it was one thing, but you know, SKC just had some surprises for sure. Yeah, see, it's just about finding value. Yeah. Yeah. It's like saying yeah. what? It's like if someone's going to say they'll pay you bet 10 bucks, you're going to roll a die. If you hit a one, they'll pay you a hundred dollars back. You bet every time. <laughs> yep. See, that's where you lost me, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, I think my last thing is just uh, go read that um, Jeff Reuter article. I think um, it had some other good stuff in there. I guess I mentioned that earlier, but uh, he also wrote one about my club, St. Louis FC, today that it looks like St. Louis FC is not going to make it next year. But we'll know by August 31st. So anyone who's going to drop to League One, I think they have to let them know by August 31st. Basically, what are you going to do in 2021? So any weird news we might have based on COVID too. I mean, that's something to think about is any, we're not out of the woods as far as clubs folding and stuff like that. Um, So uh, something to watch for are that August 31st deadline. I think he kind of threw into that last article too, um, the deal with MLS and USL. He kind of threw it in. Nothing was said, but the fact that it was in the article, I feel like means that there's something going on. And so I know the discussions about uh, the USL MLS, relationship it was said in that article that the next month or two they'll be talking about that making it seem like maybe the new deal or a lack thereof will be in that time period i don't see them changing that but um anyway lots of good stuff coming from the athletic about the usl and that's nothing but good i love it if anyone doesn't have any thoughts i think we've all had our say here at the end you got to hear who everybody is so look all these guys up on twitter we're all very easy to find we announce it most uh episodes we're not going to do it this time i'm just going to say thanks for listening everybody we'll be back at you next monday good night